For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi there, my name is Johnny McEwen and you are listening to the All-American Brit Podcast on Believe Podcasting Network. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you didn't happen to catch the first episode and you're listening and you clicked on something about baseball and you're a bit confused as to why there's a British person talking, that's because that's me. I'm the All-American Brit. I was born here in Los Angeles, California. I spent some time in my childhood in the UK. I was kind of back and forward, but I did all of my elementary school, my high school. I went to university out here. I'm, I'm an American, and that's uh, a, a big part of my identity, but another huge part of my identity is, is being British and, and sounding the way that I do. But there's nothing more American than baseball, which is what I want to talk to you about today. I got my first real true introduction to baseball in 2008. Um, when I went to my first Dodger game. I was 16 at the time. And before that, I had some kind minor influences of understanding baseball, but not completely. I remember in 2002, my dad turned on the World Series. It was, he, I remember him saying that the, the Angels are in the World Series. They're, they're, they're in Anaheim, but apparently they're the Los Angeles Angels and they're from our city. So we should watch the, the baseball. We should watch the World Series. I thought, all right, I'll have a look at it. And the, the Giants were facing them in the series, San Francisco Giants. And I had no idea of the meaning of getting to a World Series, really. I, you know, I knew that it was their championship, but, I, you know, the idea of them being representatives of the AL and NL, having to have won, winning their division series and a championship series, getting through a 162-game season and how strenuous and challenging the schedules are for Major League teams. All of this was completely lost on me. I just thought of the stupid joke of, you know, why is it called the World Series? Don't they only play a team up in Canada? I mean, where's the actual world representation? Um, And I remember watching it and finding... I, I remember finding it interesting and I had... Other minor kind of baseball influences. I, for some reason, really distinctly remember having this one of those. If you're my age, you might might have had one. A Mike Piazza like Nerf Vortex bat. It was almost like Space Jam meets baseball. This kind of oversized, ridiculous-looking bat. You know, I I remembered the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run race and. I remember that and how that had an effect on the game and still has. And I had kind of passing knowledge of baseball, but really not much. But back to 2008, I'd just become mates with this guy and his whole thing was baseball. He understood it almost like to a science and his love for the Dodgers was immense. And so he took me to my first Dodger game. And the only way I can really describe it is it was like the closest thing I've ever had to a religious experience. (laughs) Seeing the fans filing into the stadium, the sounds of, of the crowd kind of actively but quietly watching this game unfold. 
wearing their favourite shirts of their current favourite player or retired player. The smell of the concession stands, the colour of the grass. I found it to be a really magical, magical place. When all the players came out charging onto the field um, to take their places, to take their positions, uh, there was this kind of ritual, and what I would learn it would happen every game, this ritual where the kids would take the field with the Dodgers and then they'd run out, you know, they'd be like, you go to first base, you go to third, so they'd all run out to their designated players and get them to have a signature. And I was 16 when I first saw this, already f- well past the age of acceptance for the ritual of the kids take the field. I, I At 16, I'd looked very peculiar, bumbling out there in my saggy jeans, asking Matt Kemp for an autograph. I, I would not have been chosen for this ritual. And I kind of felt a bit of regret about it. Like I'd missed, I'd missed out on the opportunity of being one of the cute kids that takes the field with the Dodgers. Because I didn't... As it, I didn't play little league. I, you know, I had kind of missed out as on baseball as an influence as as a kid. Um, I didn't even see the Sandlot until I was in my teenage years, and so I kind of discovered baseball this year in two thousand eight. And in two thousand eight, uh, the Dodgers wore this fiftieth anniversary patch on the sides of their jerseys and their hats. It was commemorating fifty years of the Dodgers being in Los Angeles, having moved from Brooklyn. And I remember looking at this patch and kind of being obsessed with it and kind of sad that it would only be there for one year, it kind of encapsulated this feeling, this warm feeling of, of, of Dodger Stadium, of, of this team, of the ritual of 50 years of putting on, a, putting on a baseball season of 162 games, committing and fighting and clawing your way to try and get to a World Series. It kind of encapsulated this rich, cherished history and this tradition this true American tradition and I was kind of enamored by the whole thing and so I fell in love with baseball that season and I, I followed all the way up until the postseason which they made it to that year a huge part of it was getting to watch this rookie pitcher Clayton Kershaw and he was in his rookie season and in a way it was kind of like my rookie season lifelong baseball fans can kind of list off their favorite players as that they supported as kids and the kind of their favorite teams and in a way this was kind of my moment this 2008 team I have a real fondness for so many of those players I watched in those early days of like when I was watching Derek Lowe and Hiroki Kuroda and Brad Penny and Russell Martin I thought Raphael Fakal was the silkiest shortstop in the league we made a blockbuster trade in that year as well obtaining Manny Ramirez coming from Boston and he lit up LA they called it Manny Wood and his bat was a constant threat for us in those first few weeks and ultimately being a huge part of what got us to the postseason I was obsessed with Nomar Garcia Parra as well he was a big part of that generation of Dodger teams and seeing him bring a championship to Boston after their drought and thinking maybe he can do it for us I thought there was something fascinating about the idea of a player coming from a different organization and being that secret kind of special ingredient that's needed to propel a team forward to ultimately win a championship. And these teams continued into recent history. And every year, nearing the end of spring training, you'd say, you know, this Dodgers team looks pretty good, making tons of trades and bringing up players from our farm system and this kind of nucleus that's developed in these last five years. I mean, since 2013... 
the Dodgers were never not in the postseason. So I've been fortunate to be able to see a team have so much success, which kind of leads to this crescendo in 2020. But I'll get back to that in a bit. That same year, uh, 2008, that I was in New York for the summer and um, just kind of discovering baseball and kind of learning about all of it. And my dad, you know, being a bit of an intrepid sports fan himself, said, you know, we should go and we should go and watch a game of the Yankees. You expressed you know, a bit of interest in baseball and you want to, you know, let's go and have a look. And so we got Yankees tickets and uh, I remember taking the subway there. We took the full train heading up toward the Bronx and... More and more Yankee gear kept getting on the train with each stop. Peppered into the train's kind of grey and navy blue Yankee-coloured hue was the occasional pop of royal blue, Kansas City's colours, the team that the Yankees were playing that day. A young fan got on the train, a, a fan, Yankee fan and his dad, and we all kind of had to saddle up next to one another now on a quite a packed full train. On my right was the father and son, and then on my left was this Royals fan, only being able to distinguish that by just the the blue hat on his head. He was wearing a plaid shirt, navy jeans, no kind of t-shirt, you know, it was just his hat, and he was carrying a a baseball scoring book, and this, I would learn later, is the look of a really true, true fan. The father looked down at his son and pointed to the man in the royal's hat and said, "Can can you read the hat? Do you know what the hat, what does the hat say? And without missing a beat, the guy in the Royals hat said, this hat says last place in the American League. And a few of the people around the carriage, including myself, laughed at kind of his quick remark. I remember how I I noticed how worn the the scoring book was that he was carrying. I asked him, you know, how long you've been scoring games? And he flipped through the book and there were scores stemming back to the late 90s. And he told me he brings it with him to every games he attended, you know, and he said, uh, it just keeps me in my seat in the game. And it also saves my wallet from getting up and getting too many rounds of beer. We arrived at what is now old Yankee Stadium before the Bombers moved into their new digs. And we made our way to the ticket sales and we bought what we thought would be quite good seats. But we were novices to the stadium when we were kind of bumbling British blokes. And we ended up getting seats that were completely covered in sun from... (laughs) first pitch to the ninth inning and so we kind of sat down in our sun bleach seats and uh, prepared for an afternoon of baseball all the while uh, a fan did kind of catch the attention of me and my dad he was just two rows ahead of us also covered in sun and the man just would not stop sweating but he had really come prepared and he kept reaching into this little pouch that he brought with him with, for fresh rags to wipe his face. And he was, he was doing an immac- immaculate job of switching out handkerchiefs and he had, he had definitely come prepared. We dubbed him Mr. Sweaty and we would you know, periodically check in and see how he was doing and see if we needed to notify anybody about heat stroke or anything. The Yankees had lost the night before to the Royals in what was uh, the second game of the uh, four-game series. And the night before was a, a, a tight one. The Royals just getting a squeaking away with a 2-1 victory. The afternoon of the 7th of June would be a far different affair. 
I was just kind of beginning to understand like the flow of a baseball game and what a routine game looks like. You know, how many pitches, what's going to go on in the later innings. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. And this game was so far from routine and it really tested my baseball watching skills without the aid of a commentary team. And my dad, who knew very little about baseball then, kept asking me questions and I was actually having a tough enough time kind of keeping track of all of it myself. To kind of break it down, the Royals started early, hitting a two-run home run in the first inning. So they get the early start and then the Yankees come back and they answer one. So it's 2-1. They hold that score until the third where the Royals put together three runs on four hits. They now lead the game 5-1. It takes until the fourth inning where the Yankees come up and they put together a crazy inning of four runs, five hits. So now the Yankees tie, tie the Royals in the fourth. Yankees come up back up in the fifth. They get another run and now they lead 6-5. Then came the seventh inning where everything went bonkers because the Royals put on another five runs, taking a 10-6 lead. In the seventh, bottom of the seventh, the Yankees put together another two runs, two hits. So now it's 10-8. Yankees come up in the bottom of the eighth. Damon goes now five for five, tying the game at 10-10. Mariano Rivera strides out looking to hold the score, tied. And on the first pitch to Jesus sees he hits a home run, so now it's 11-10. They would take that score to the bottom of the ninth, looking to just hold the Yankees. With one out, Jorge Posada hits a home run off of Soria in the bottom of the ninth. The Yankees are now tied at 11. The Yankees can still end it in the ninth. Cano grounds out, so there's now two out. Wilson better meet walks. Cabrera gets on on an infield single. Damon comes up for the sixth time and gets his sixth hit. It's the walk-off. Yankees win 12-11. Looking back on it, it really was just such a crazy game. And to get to see Jeter and A-Rod hits a home run, the Yankees come up and win it in the end. The Yankee Stadium goes crazy and they play New York, New York over the sound system. It was mental. We continually checked in on our sweaty Yankee fan, and he was full of gusto, steaming, screaming and steaming at every lead change and pitch. Home run after home run, scoring change, pitching change. Mr. Sweaty was just sweating it out, and he was very happy, ultimately, with the final result. A trip to the Yankee store for a hat later, we were back on the elevated subway platform, looking across at the kind of iconic tips of Yankee Stadium. We were recounting highlights on the train all the way home. I thought of the Royals fan with his um, scorebook, and I'd wondered if he'd be able to be, been able to keep track of a twenty-plus runs, thirty-hit game. I think it was that same year in New York. I caught a moment that could only actually really happen in that city. There are like snippets of conversations that you hear when you walk down the street, um, when you walk down a New York sidewalk, and the one that is certainly the most memorable for me was I was walking down Lexington. And ahead, I see two construction workers chatting near the crosswalk, seemingly on a break. As I got closer, I just about started to hear their conversation. And I heard one of the construction workers saying, you know, it's, it's great. You know, we just met. We just met. And she's a great girl, but she's a Mets fan. And I was kind of parallel to the two in conversation. And as clear as day, I heard the other construction worker say, well, have you told her the Mets fucking suck? <laughs> I 
think that's one of the things I love so much about baseball is the kind of inherent sense of community that it forms that having an allegiance to a team can mean something and or mean something else <laughs> you know you catch a hat of a postseason bound team you can say to the guy hey what are you thinking you know what do you, the Braves got a good chance this year what do you think you catch the hat of a Minnesota twin and you kind of pat them on the shoulder and say hey you holding up you doing okay <laughs> you know a lot of postseason a lot of postseasons but tough it's it's funny you know I've I've been able to go to Yankee Stadium. I've been to City Field. I was able to go up north to Toronto and see with Rogers Center. One year I was in Miami for Thanksgiving. So, but I've still walked around the Marlins Stadium. They were renovating, and I tried to catch a glimpse of the bonkers-looking statue in Center Field. Since that first baseball game in two thousand eight, I I followed, and I I haven't stopped following since. I love following and watching baseball and. Like I said, my guiding line has been supporting and watching the Dodgers for the last nine years. Every year we've been able to get to the postseason and have a chance in 2017, actually feeling what it felt like to have my team go to a World Series, this unbelievable kind of stage and ultimately to lose in, you know, a whole kind of other story that we can talk about with the Houston Astros. And we got there again in 2018, going to the World Series against the Red Sox, possibly the best Red Sox team ever. I think that series worked out the way it was always going to. And this question mark continued to hang over our heads. 32 years of drought, when will it ever end? And this 2020 season came and there was a chance that there wasn't even going to be baseball. I mean, we're experiencing so many different things in this new year. And they came to an agreement and baseball did happen this summer. It was a shortened season and an elongated postseason, the longest postseason in modern history with an additional series and there were a lot of question marks about how it would all work out there was it was a very challenging year for baseball and they pressed on it seems like the postseason came so quickly and the Dodgers were the best team in baseball for a good portion of the season the acquisition of Mookie Betts from the Red Sox in this his first year it's such a different year for a new player to come to an organization and play but Mookie made the best of it and put up an unbelievable season and got us all the way to the postseason again where we had to take down the Brewers in that wild card series. We had to take on the Padres who had been challenging all year and ultimately really fighting in the NLCS against the Braves and then making it again. A third World Series in four years and in another kind of strange parallel to 2008, it was the Rays who got to the World Series And now here in 2020, we were facing the race to finally end the drought. You know, I've been so many different places catching baseball games. I've been, you know, in stadiums, I've been in bars, I've been at friends' houses, screaming up and down, jumping for joy over the successes or failures of the Dodgers. But on that Tuesday night, I was filled with something else that I can only really describe as relief. (laughs) Relief that Clayton Kershaw would go down as one of the best in history. Relief that the reference to the 32 years of drought would be over. Validation for a team that fought so much and a front office that has made so many moves over so many different years. So many iterations of this team and just relief that it worked out. I wondered what it would feel like when the Dodgers finally did win the World Series and I think I kind of put that so up on this pedestal of what it would be to feel the championship and be the champions of the year and all of that. 
I think I have experienced what it feels like and what it actually is is just a great sense of nostalgia. <laughs> yes, I'm so happy that this team and this year we've finally been able to overcome and become the champions of the year, but it's just made me reflect on all of my memories of baseball, all of my years of following and loving and supporting in this team, believing in the possibility of getting there. And now experiencing it, it's it's strange almost. I think it's the enduring energy of a baseball fan is there's always next year. But what happens when last year you won? Well, there's still next year. <laughs> and certainly after this season and how different everything's been, uh, the next time we win this thing, I want to be up in some stranger's armpit, you know? <laughs> I want to I want to experience this with the community. I want to experience this with the the fan base that just loves this team. It's funny. I'll I'll wear my Dodger hat or be somewhere watching a game and or at a stadium and a conversation will strike up, born out of a play or out of a pitching change and I'll be asked a question or I'll respond to a comment made by the other fan and and I'll go off on one of my kind of bizarre baseball tangents saying no now let's they, let's be absolutely clear your starting pitcher has only given up three hits he's not given up any runs why are you trying to pull him before the fifth inning are you, are you trying to exhaust the bullpen before august i mean i'm sorry what's going on here and it and while i may be making a valid point or not to the situation i i usually do get a kind of questioning look as to like who wh- where where are you from and why do you know so much about baseball <laughs> Simply put, I I love baseball. I love the news around it. I love the way that the season stretches through the summer and how the fall classic usually lives up to its name. I always look forward to the new season, but I am particularly looking forward to the 2021 season and getting to cover it here on this podcast. In episodes coming up, I'm going to be talking about the free agent market, the off-season, how teams are shaping up to get better for the new season, how baseball is prepared to take on a new year, and how the rest of sports is ready to take on a new year. You'll be able to catch all sport all the time here on the All American Brit Podcast. Be sure to check out AA Brit Pod on Instagram and Twitter and keep listening here on the Believe Podcasting Network. Take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.